Romans chapter 10, verses 16 through 21. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I'll move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient, contrary people. Beginning in verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? Section for this morning begins by, by pointing to the fact that not everybody was believing at that time. We've been going through a, a section that's, that's largely geared towards why is it that Israel, so much of Israel, does not believe? Why is it that so much of Israel has not been converted? Paul is preaching to churches and he has these people there and, and they have to be looking and they see largely a, a Gentile church. Some Jews who are there, but so many in whom the Messiah has come to who has revealed himself to them still are in unbelief. Paul is going through systematically through these chapters and just showing us this is why it is. At the end of our last section through verse 15, we're presented with the gospel where it just says so clearly in verse 11, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. He goes on from there to say, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then from there it says, How then shall we, they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of, of good things. And so there's this push towards how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the gospel. And then in verse 16 we immediately shift into, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. The gospel has gone forward, but they have not all obeyed. And then the Apostle Paul quotes Isaiah 53, um, saying, Lord, who has believed our report? Have you ever poured your, your heart into sharing the gospel with somebody and found no response? You've, you've prayed and you've prayed, you You've diligently destroyed every argument a person has against the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the person still is in unbelief. For me, I, I think of times where I've, I've shared the gospel with somebody, and they've asked questions, and I'll answer the question. They'll ask another question, and I'll answer that question, and I'll go through. I remember one young lady just said, you've destroyed every argument that I've had. I just, I still just don't want to believe. It wasn't an issue of, convince me. 
It was the issue of the heart. It was the issue of I don't have any desire to submit to, to God. I don't have any desire to, to follow him. Isaiah 53, there at the beginning, begins with that part of, Lord, who has believed our report? Um, the, 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 the entire chapter is full of prophecy of Christ in the crucifixion. You look at the details that is, is brought forward in Isaiah 53 as far as he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He goes through and says he's borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him by his stripes, we are healed. And we, we look and we just see that, that it gives details. He's wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. You think of Genesis 3, verse 15, where it tells us that God is, is, is speaking to, to Satan in, in after the, the fall. And he says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Isaiah 53 says, he was bruised for our iniquities. You think of Christ going through the crucifixion and the bag placed upon his face as they begin punching him over and over again. Prophesy, where's this hit coming from? The bruises that would have just covered him. Not only that, but it says, by his stripes we are healed. And we, we look at 1 Peter 2.24 where it says, who himself bore our sins on his body on the tree that we having died to sins might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. As he was whipped 39 times with that cat of nine tails. And it goes through and Isaiah 53 just gives detail after detail. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And just details that are given of the crucifixion. You look at Matthew 27 where it says, And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. And Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Or in Mark fourteen sixty one, but he kept silent and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? Yet you see over and over again in Scripture where it's referring to the crucifixion, he opened not his mouth, he answered nothing. And it's going just a perfect parallel with Isaiah 53 tells us in Isaiah 53, 9, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death. And you look in Matthew 27 and verse 57 where it says, Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. And this man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. Christ made his grave with the wicked there at the cross, but with the rich at his death, buried in a rich man's tomb. Details that are given to where if you were to go through with someone of, of Jewish faith, you would look and, and point him to Isaiah 53 and go through and you could just look at the detail, detail after detail after detail after detail of the crucifixion. All laid out perfectly. All in a perfect timing in which 
in which crucifixion would even be a possibility where it hadn't been before. It hadn't been when Isaiah 53 was written. And you go through and you look and you can see all of it pointing towards Christ. Details that are given and yet it begins by saying that they did not believe this report. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Isaiah 53.1. And you look and there's example after example in the Bible of people who hear and don't believe. Um, think of when Elijah said in 1 Kings 19.14 where he says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your, your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone, alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Prophecies are given, and yet who has believed our report? Times where we just pour our heart into sharing the gospel, and you see that yet, nevertheless, they still don't believe. I could go through and, and list hundreds of prophecies with just incredible detail given all the way through. Details given hundreds or even thousands of years before of Christ to come and the details of his life. And there's those that, that look upon it and they still just say, I, I don't believe. I don't believe. So Paul, in reference to that this morning, begins by saying, they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report. They have not all believed. What do we do when they don't all believe? Do we have more convincing arguments? Do we change the style of how we do it? How we evangelize? I was in a conference about three years ago um, listening to, to John MacArthur preach on a section in, in Mark chapter 4. And in this conference, he began by saying, I just want you to know that I sleep very well. And just generally, I'm, wherever I'm in the world, it seems I sleep, I sleep well. He says, I think that the ability that I have to sleep to some degree is related to my theology. That's kind of where the title comes from. The title of his sermon was A Theology of Sleep. He says, I understand the horrors of eternal hell. I understand the wrath of God. I understand eternal judgment. I understand what's at stake. It's a passion for me to reach people with the gospel. And I suppose with that kind of conviction dominating my heart under some circumstances and within the framework of some kind of theology, I might have a hard time sleeping because of the urgency of the issues at hand. But my confidence is in the Lord and in the power and in his power and not in me. So I can enjoy rest, refreshment physically, occasionally diversion from the task because I don't do the Lord's work. My responsibilities are very limited. He said somebody wrote, wrote about him saying this. MacArthur can't reach the people that the missional Christian movement reaches. So if he and his followers are successful in delegitimatizing it, the individual's who would never join the faith would hopefully be only in the tens of millions for the next century. 
Now, I'm going to kind of unfold that for you. Someone's writing and saying, John MacArthur can't reach the people that those who are trying all the new things are reaching. Those that try to lighten up the gospel. Those that would, in a culture like today, never talk about sin. Because people don't like talking about sin. Or people don't like talking about hell. And so they try to reach the people where they're at and make them feel comfortable. Bring them into church. Talk about psychological things rather than teach through scripture. Rather than preach the word. They would look and say, preaching is something that's just outdated. No one wants to just hear preaching today. Got to be able to compete with, with the, the new age. You got to be able to compete with what's taking place to do today. Do multimedia entertainment. Have stuff going on. Start with a clip of a movie. Do something like that to where you could just keep people's attention. Stop and tell them a, a really funny story. Bring in a comedian. Bring in a special band. Stop in the middle and do something totally different. Do your church in a bar. Do something like that. Do whatever it takes to reach people, but soften things up and change things. And, and, and the idea of a pulpit and the idea of bringing your Bible to church and the idea of going verse by verse to the book of Romans, that's archaic. No one does things like that today. You're never going to reach the youth. You're never going to reach people. Reach them where they're at and change everything. And these, these guys are saying, MacArthur can't reach people that the missional Christian movement reaches. So if he and his followers are successful in delegitimatizing it, which I'm trying to do right now, the individuals who would never join the faith would hopefully be only in the tens of millions over the next century, saying there would be tens of millions of people who won't become Christians because of our failure, failure to, to change the way that we do things as a church. And I don't think that's the case at all. You look in Scripture, and in Scripture it says over and over again, preach the word. Preach the word. God's word is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's given to us. It's perfect. It's, It's the inspired word of God, perfect in its entirety. He went from there to preach out of out of Mark 4, where it says, The sower sows the word. These are the ones, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown, and they hear, and Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and when they have no root in themselves, uh, and, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns, and they are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. These are the ones sown on, on good ground, those who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So he goes through and talks about the sowing of the, of the, of the seeds falls on all different soils. You, you, you sow it, and sometimes it falls in hard places. Sometimes it, 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 it falls in the thorny places. Sometimes the, the birds come, and they, and they pick it up. 
But sometimes you, you sow the seed on the ground and they hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And studies have shown that you, when he says this, most people would only ever have ever seen six-fold as far as the fruit that would come. And he's saying, but when you throw the seed, when you throw the seed, it goes out and it bears fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. It's going way above anything that, that the people ever would have imagined. It goes on in, in verse 26, and it says of Mark 4, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and arise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. And he himself does not know how. Did you get that? There's a man, he just goes and he scatters seed. He sows it. He sends it out. And what does he do after that? He goes to bed. He goes to bed. He wakes up. Some of that seed has sprouted and it's grown. And he has no idea how. It wasn't that he was so good at sowing. You look at this and it doesn't ever talk about the sower. It's never saying, okay, try to do it in this way or you, you, you got to throw it this way. It just says, sow seed, just sow it. Send it out, sow it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to sprout and it's going to grow and you're not even going to know how it happened. The next verse says, for the earth yields crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, and after the full grain in the head. The earth yields crops by itself. Automatically. The seed is sown. It's thrown. And then, and then God works in people's hearts. They don't even know how it happened. It's not about changing the message. It's not about trying to make it so that we're more cool in how we do it. It's about preaching the word. It's about you sharing your faith. It's about a grandma going to a grandchild and saying, can I share with you the gospel? Can I share with you the gospel? I would venture to say there's a number of you who are in this room who were saved because grandma or grandpa shared the gospel with you. It's about a parent going and sitting with their child and going through and just proclaiming the word to them. Sowing seeds. It's about us doing that within the church and just constantly sowing seeds. It's about being at, at a friend's house and just proclaiming the good news of the gospel to them. Sowing seeds of the word. And then you go to sleep at night. And you rise by day and it has grown and you don't know how it happened. Apart from God does the work. So many people who have such a fear of that I shared and they just don't believe. Maybe I I haven't done it right. I've had people come and say like, can you just come and talk to them? Because I can't do this. I, I don't have all the answers. And yet, 
nor do I. There's always going to be another question that comes. You look and just sow the seed. Send it out. Faithfully tell them God's word. It's not changing the message or how we do it or softening up the gospel and not talking about sin or not talking about hell. It's going through and just sowing the seed. This is what God says. The next verse that we come to says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. When I hear that verse, I think of a a ministry that's called Faith Comes by Hearing. And there's about 6,809 languages or groups of, of people, different languages in the world today. This, this particular ministry records the Bible into their language on a, on a little machine that you can crank up or have solar come out or, or plug it in. And it just, it, it makes it so that it's loud enough that a thousand people can hear. You crank it for 10 minutes, you get 40 minutes of the Bible going forward. They have it in 737 languages right now, reaching in those people speaking those languages, 5.7 billion people on 189, in 189 countries. And their whole philosophy is faith comes by hearing. Just hearing God's word go forward. As I was studying for this morning, I came upon a commentary where it it talked about a story of this group of people from India known as the Tamars. The the book was entitled The Book That Set My People Free. And the man writing the book was the son of, of someone who had initially heard the gospel there. These particular people were some of the most feared of all the tribes in India. They had descended from the Mongols who had come from central China and they crossed into the, crossed the lower Himalayas and settled in northeast India. And these guys were known as the headhunters. They, they would fight and they would take the heads of the people and hang them over the doors of their bamboo huts. The, the British who ruled India in that, at that time said that they are a barbaric tribesmen said that they were almost like animals. When the British tried to enter this particular territory, the Mars fought back. On one occasion, they, they took 500 heads in one raid. Soldiers pursued them, and a couple of the Mars were killed, but almost all of them escaped back into the jungle. Story went back to, to Europe, and there was the, a Welsh man who was a chemist, by the name of Watkin Roberts, and he heard the story of these people who were these headhunters that had killed and slaughtered 500 people at one time, taking all of their heads off. And in his mind, it, he just said, when he read that, he just thought, I want to take the Bible to them. And just, I just want to take the Bible to them. So he moved there. He moved just near there and was told by 
by the British authorities that he couldn't go into this area because it was way too dangerous. So he found the closest local tribe and, and learned that language and then translated a part of the New Testament into that particular language. Some of the Hamars could understand that language and they, they began reading it. And the, the chief leaders there didn't understand what it meant when it said be born again. And so they sent a letter out saying, bring this translator here. The British said, you can't go there. They're, it's a, it's, they're just deceiving you. They want to chop off your head. You can't go. And he decided to go anyhow. He went in and shared with them from the Bible what it means to be born again. The writer of this book, his dad's name was Chawanga, and he became one of the first more preachers. They went and they, they, this man traveled all over the territory teaching the Bible, leading the people in Christ, founding churches, translating the Bible into their own language. These early preachers founded churches in almost every village, in every village. Joaquin Roberts was forced to leave that area by the British. And if you look at it today, even at that particular time, 98% of the people got saved. This is radical. 98%. Mars have become one of the most advanced ethnic groups in all of India. There's over 200 churches. Said... Except for Mr. Roberts, the only missionary that they ever had was the Bible. Hamars have begun taking the gospel to other tribes, starting hundreds of churches in other territories. They've taken food to tribes that were starving. The writer of this book says, The Bible is the book that reveals the mind of God, the heart of man, the way of salvation, the blessedness of believers. It is the book that tells us where we come from and where we are going. It is the book that set my people free. Just radically changed. Entire group of people. People that were just barbaric, the worst of them all. And the Bible goes in. They're not not even a missionary. The Bible goes in and faith comes by hearing. 98% of the people are saved. Should be such great confidence for us in the message that we have in Scripture. Proclaiming the gospel, teaching through God's word, talking with someone that may appear to have the hardest of hearts, and just proclaiming the gospel to them. Faith comes by hearing. Encourage you. Let's minister God's word to our kids. Let's take what we know in scripture and sow seed. Sow seed, not paranoid. Did I say the right thing? Do I have all the right arguments? 
Oh, I forgot that scripture. I should have said that. But just sow seed because you love the lost and you love the gospel and you desire for people to come to know Christ. You just start sowing seed. And as you do it, you, you follow that by, by going to bed and resting and sleeping well. Knowing that it's not dependent upon you and your brilliance, your techniques. It's just sowing seed and going to bed, as John MacArthur said, I sleep well. I sow seed for him for 50 years of ministry, just sowing seed, going to bed and just watching what God accomplishes. And you wake up and you see what God has accomplished. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every one of us, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, will be able to think of how it is that you were saved. And it came by hearing God's word, didn't it? It came by, whether it be in a sermon or whether it was in, in a Bible that, that mom had given you, or whether it was your parents sharing the gospel with you, or whether it was by a Sunday school teacher, or whether it was listening to the radio, or at a crusade. Faith came by hearing, and hearing the word of God. In verse 18, it says, but I say, have they not heard? Well, if faith comes by hearing, there's all of these people of Israel who are unbelievers. Paul's saying, have they not heard? Is it that they haven't heard? If faith comes by hearing, have they not heard? And the response is, their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. It's not that they haven't heard. Why did they not believe? Apostle Paul quotes Psalm 19. A psalm that begins by saying, The heavens... Declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. And there is no speech nor language where the voice is not heard. And then here's the quoted section. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. The word has gone forward. It wasn't just simply... uh, a lack of, of hearing. In Acts 2.41, it tells us, then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. 3,000 souls believing, Acts 2.41. Acts 2.46 says, so continually daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart and praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. They were being saved. They were hearing. Acts 4.4 says, however, many of those who heard the, many of those who heard the word believed and the number of men came to about 5,000. 5,000 people getting saved. In Acts 17, verse 5, it says the Jews, referring to the Jews who were not persuaded, he says, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the, to the rulers of the city, crying out, 
these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. As they're going to, to drag this Christian away, they've, they've turned the world upside down. God's word was going forward and Paul saying, have they not heard? No, their sound has gone out into all the, all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. He asked another question, verse 19. But I say, did Israel not know? Was it that they didn't understand? Is it simply that they didn't understand? And Moses says, first Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. So was it that Israel didn't understand? No. He, Paul then quotes Deuteronomy 32, 21, saying that, God used the Gentiles, those who were not a nation, those who had not grown up knowing God's word, those who didn't, did not have the privilege of listening to the prophets, those who were foolish in comparison to those in Israel who had so much more knowledge, and God used them to provoke Israel to jealousy. The unbelief of Israel was an issue of the heart, not a lack of knowledge or understanding. And so he's going through and saying, why is it that they don't believe? Is it that they didn't hear? No, it's not that they didn't hear. Gospel was going forward everywhere in that land at the time. Was it that they didn't understand? No, it wasn't that they didn't understand. It wasn't that there wasn't enough clarity with them to go through all the arguments. God said, I'll provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. It reminds us of of Luke chapter 20. Why don't you turn there with me for a moment? Luke chapter 20, verse 9. In Luke chapter 20, verse 9, it says, Then he began to tell the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him, sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. And then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I'll send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dresser saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, certainly not. And then he looked at them and said, what then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Pointing to the fact that the prophets came over and over and over again. They were beaten. They were ridiculed. They were wounded. God sent his own son and he was killed. The rejection that came from the Israelites is not just that they didn't understand. They hated him. They hated Christ. So it's, it's radical to think that apart from the transforming work that the Holy Spirit has done in our hearts, that if Christ was here today or if we were at that particular time, we also would have put him to death. It's not that those that lived in the time of Jesus were so wicked that they did something that was just 
shocking. But to think that that's in our own heart, the God sending prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet, sending his son. But what was in their heart was this unbelief and hatred towards God that they killed a son. So was it that they didn't understand? No. In verse 20 it says, But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. This comes from Isaiah 65.1. All of it was pointing ahead. You see Old Testament scripture after scripture, reference after reference, pointing to the fact that why is it that Israel didn't believe? Paul's saying, Jesus talked about it. Paul's saying, Isaiah talked about it in Isaiah 65.1. I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me, to the Gentiles. Then in verse 21, he says, but to Israel, he says, all day long I stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. To Israel, he says. I think of that verse coming from Isaiah 65 too. All day long, God says, I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient, contrary people. I don't want to move past this without just thinking of this picture for a moment. God describing himself saying, all day long I've stretched out my hands. Think of Having little Natalie, just she's be three next month, but those years of her being in the crib, crying and crying, and you come over and you just reach out your hands. Yeah, come, come here. And she comes up and you hold her and keep her from crying. And, and you think of, the heart of God just, all day long I've reached out my hands. All day long my hands have, have been reaching out, just there waiting. To who? To a disobedient and contrary people. The same God who says, oh Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate. Matthew 23, 37. All day long, I've stretched out my hands to sinners. How long did God stretch out his hands towards you? Some of you became Christians later in life and there's a lot of years in which God's hands were stretched out towards you. Maybe there's some people here in our church this morning who you've heard. You've heard it. it. It's not that you don't understand it.
you fall into that category of, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? And, it, and so you've heard it and you understand, and yet there's just this hardness of heart towards anything of God. And you hear the heart of God just saying, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. All day long. And to think that by the sweetness of his Holy Spirit, the power of his Holy Spirit, today, this God that we serve who has stretched out his arm towards you, can bring you to repentance this morning. Just as, as he has done with every believer who's here. The Holy Spirit changing our hearts, working us, drawing us to himself. Bringing about regeneration. And the God that you hear is saying, all day long I've stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. And then to hear, but faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'll tell you this morning, you're a sinner. Every one of us are sinners. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the Bible tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that you're saved. It's by grace. It comes by faith. It's not yourself. It's not your own good works. It's all of grace. All through belief. So today may be the day where you just hear God saying, all day long I stretched out my hands. All day long. Scripture is very clear that the day will come when God's judgment will come upon the earth. As unpopular as it might be today to talk about hell and God sending people to hell, Scripture is very clear that God sends people to hell for all eternity. Scripture is very clear that we could be made his bride, that we could be brought into his family, that we could be adopted into his family. Scripture is very clear that there is salvation that comes, that takes all of our sins away and replaces it with God's righteousness, Christ's righteousness that has been given to us because of the work of Christ Jesus upon the cross. It's not about a convincing argument to you this morning. It's about God's word piercing your heart to show you that you're a sinner in need of grace. And faith comes by hearing. He saved the Hamar tribe in India just simply from the scripture coming into their village or their villages. Finish chapter 10 by just looking at a God who not only is all powerful and sovereign, who draws us and saves us by his 
sovereign hand. But a God who calls out to us and says, my arms are outstretched. I encourage you to hear the voice of the Lord and run towards him this morning. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your word that you've given to us that we can sow it out and and not try to fix it, not try to make it better, not try to be more cool in how we do it, but just sow seed out of the gospel. Have it fall to the ground and and know that we could go to bed knowing that, Lord, you, you work in hearts just like you worked in our hearts. I pray that that would be fixed in our minds that we would sow your word to our kids and to our neighbors and to the people we work with and to the people you bring by our paths because we love the gospel. We love your word. We know that there's power that comes from it. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Give the saints at Reverence Bible Church boldness to sow seed everywhere. And although we may not know how it grows, you do. And you accomplish your purposes. May we sleep well at night trusting that we don't have the ability to change souls, but your word does. It is that same word that has brought us to salvation. And it is for that salvation, the knowledge of the God that we serve, that we come to you now in worship. Pray, Lord, that you'd be delighted in the praises of your people this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.